0: hey guys welcome to pressing on this is a podcast where you'll be looking into truths for guys as we live on this journey of life it is november of 2021 and You're listening to this the day after Thanksgiving. It's Black Friday, and this is our first month with a new direction that we're going for Pressing On. I'm your host, Scott Lessing. I have a new title now. I'm working with prison ministry. I'm the prison campus pastor at Grace Church. And Grace Church, we have three locations in Northeast Ohio, Middleburg Heights, Olmstead Falls, and our new prison campus in Grafton, Ohio. Pressing On is for guys who want to go deeper as we seek God all the while finding practical insight for living differently. We will look into real life and talk through how to grow while becoming an improved version of ourselves. Jordy, uh, this is our first time, just me and you with a guest. But before we get there, tell us about our friends who believe in what we're doing and want to encourage our listeners with some great coffee.
1: Yeah, Blackburnian Coffee, it's a micro-batch roasting company based in Cleveland. Blackburnian Coffee uses high-quality fair-trade beans from farms and importers that treat their workers with respect and dignity. We also know the owner and roaster of this great company, Sarah Stumbo. If you'd like to win, yeah, give it up for Sarah. If you'd like to win a free bag of coffee from blackburnian simply email us at pressingon at grace that's pressing on at grace the first person to do so wins a pound of coffee and we had a winner last month it was oh, yeah. nick and megan eberhart so congratulations
0: yeah.
1: hey do we have a rule like let's say nick and megan are they email first this month and next month and do we like do we cut them off or is it just like finder's keepers
0: they you know what we need to make a rule can we make it right now on the spot yeah what what do you, do you, whatever you say fair. i think once a year
1: once a year we'll right? give it to you
0: cuz they still get 15% off of coffee the rest of the year right
1: that's true yeah don't us. forget you can use the code pressing on to receive 15% off every order at blackburniancoffee.com you can also order your coffee at blackburniancoffee.com
0: do you drink blackburnian coffee
1: I don't drink any coffee, but if I did, it would be black. Bernie, boo, Blackburnian. boo. Oh, I thought you'd like that. <laughs> so <laughs> no,
0: boo that you don't drink any coffee. Not boo <laughs> that black Bernie, but
1: so this month's topic is the church as mission, and it's kind of this. It, I wouldn't say it's really flipping this thing over, but really getting back to the roots of what is church intended to be in the first place and what does what about doing church in north america makes it a little more complicated to get back to the heart of that i, I think think so a lot of the marketing in america this you know we do hospitality we do marketing we do sales really well yeah in this country and so there's kind of this ingrained sense in us as consumers we're kind of groomed into this of like when we go somewhere like people are there to serve us if i'm going to watch something there's a lot of things competing for my time so this better be good this better be entertaining and what effect does that have on the church and so we are super excited to have pastor tom Sefik with us this month tom aloha
2: aloha (laughs) say
1: aloha to tom because prior to being here in ohio with us at grace church he was in hawaii and before that, Florida.
2: That's right. I right? I got so sick of the warm weather and the palm trees and the beautiful coast.
0: <laughs> That's what Kristen, your wife,
1: says too, right? <laughs> no, no, <laughs> <laughs> no. But Tom, we're grateful to have you here, and I'll pitch the question: Is the church in America similar? And a couple of things, just you know, looking at marketing in America, it's incredible if you don't really think that. We're a consumeristic nation or country or uh, – just to give perspective on the world we live in, nearly half of the world's toys are in this country. Really? And so we don't make up half the world's population by any stretch of the imagination, but half of the world's toys are here in America. And so
0: we're, we're, that's what we're doing with our kids.
1: That's what we're doing with our kids. Uh, I don't know if I, – I have – I have things that my wife would say, that's a toy, you know, (laughs) and so I don't know if those count or not. The average American household has more than $7,500 in consumer debt, which having, you know, better, better consistent income throughout different classes than most countries, not necessarily necessary. Um, Homes in the U.S. contain more TVs than they do people. And 12% of the population wow. does more than half the spending. And so we, you kind of look at our country and you say, you know, we, we have something unique here that a lot of life revolves around spending money, purchasing things, receiving things, being served, experiences. And so what does that mean for church? And do we have to play into that as a church in order to reach people?
0: Yeah, so has the consumeristic American culture infiltrated the church is is a way that I'm hearing you say that. Yeah. Um, so is it bad to attract people to what we have? Because I feel like in consumerism, there's a bait and switch, right? And as, Christian, as Christians, how do we not do that with our friends or family who don't know Jesus and we're trying to share this good news with them? How do we not be like the American consumeristic world that we've created in our country but still attract people to what we have
1: yeah and it's funny because i think that some of it is it's people right like we've been groomed this way and so it happens naturally and it's really hard to pinpoint where does the church play into it too much where is it just natural you know where is it just natural to us to kind of turn it into that setting? Like, there's plenty of options to volunteer in a church, but they're not all filled, you know? Right. And so what's the tension of where does the blame land? And that's a whole conversation. But even in youth ministry, you know, we do things that certain people would point out and say, oh, like you're you're making consumers, like you have a fun event or a trampoline park night. or Like this past week. We had a cereal bar, <laughs>
0: well, and they had to vote on what the best cereal was, right? Yes, and this was before the "quote unquote" the service. Yeah, right. So, h- how do we how do we do this while also sharing the love of Christ? How do we make? People feel loved and valued by Jesus without just doing the marketing thing that Nike or other large companies do. That That's really the wrestling match that we're going to be talking about. You might be actually be feeling that tension. I know I'm kind of, yeah. even just like looking at this over the weekend as we were preparing to record, I was feeling that tension in the midst of preparing for this conversation. You know, Sky Jatani, he wrote a book called The Divine Commodity. And, and this book claims that there's a battleground in the conflict between the kingdom of God and and the consumeristic culture. And he claims that the battleground is actually the human imagination, which is really intriguing. And I have a, a really good article that I might bring in later in the conversation. If not, it'll definitely be in the, the the show notes. But I listened to this book over the weekend and they you know talk a lot about um, how consumerism has actually shaped our faith for some people and even shaped some churches but then he goes on to challenge the the reader or the listener i was listening to the book to use their sanctified imagination to envision an alternative way of expressing the christian life in our culture today so i thought he was just gonna like flip on the church and be like the american church is terrible right and he he starts to go down that pathway and then he brings it back almost like the way a good disc flies if you play disc golf it goes one way and then another uh that's my new uh sport right now right by the way is disc golf but tom what what do you think about this this whole thing with uh the divine commodity or or even just you know the way that the american church is right now
2: well there's there's been a whole bunch of stuff written about that over the last few decades and um jathani's book is very interesting because he he talks about You know, the impetus for this came from some very passionate entrepreneurial pastors. And I think the underlying motive was, how can we reach more people? You know, we're plateauing in growth. So I think the impetus for this was very good. It was evangelism. It was people. How can we be more effective? So you had these very entrepreneurial guys like Bill Hybels and Rick Warren, and they they sort of changed how they did church to make it more attractive to lost, unchurched people. So one of the big changes was, you know, they, they, they got rid of the hymns, they, they changed over to contemporary music that fit what the average unsaved person was listening to. They tried to get rid of the cringe factor on Sunday morning. They tried to do things with excellence. They tried to provide visitor parking up close, really clean bathrooms. You know, the nursery and the kids were close to the sanctuary. They just did a lot of things like that. And they, they tried to get rid of the, the Christianese language and make the sermon just more, more understandable, more simple. And so there was a lot of good in that. But part of that, um, you know, he makes the point that part of that was sort of corrupted by this consumer idea in the culture and maybe began to, to soft pedal the hard edge of the gospel a little bit, the idea that bigger was better. And one of the things he says is they, they made church gro- the growth of the local church an end in itself rather than seeing it in the bigger picture of how... God is building his kingdom, and people are being caught up into this very countercultural kingdom and being transformed. Their value systems are being transformed, and he said it's sort of degenerated into bigger is always better and church growth, and the the goal is to get the numbers up in your church, and so those are some of the ways it went off the rails.
0: You know, it's interesting, back in our country in the 60s, they talked about in this book that there was something that actually led to this shift and it we went from having uncle henry make the furniture in our home to now it's mass produced so when the furniture wears out you don't have a reverence for the furniture anymore so you literally just throw it away and buy new stuff and so there's this change in the way that our culture even looks at the stuff that we are using on an everyday basis, right? And so he, he tried to make this shift, like, have we done that in our churches? Have we done that individually even, L- like, throw away the hymns because I don't like those the way I grew up, church was painful for me or whatever, so I don't like hymns anymore, so you bring in this contemporary music. and And so that's what he was talking about. The question with all of this is, because some of our listeners might be like, yeah, give you know ah but on the other side you might be saying well you know but i like the contemporary music you know it's it speaks more my soul language what's so what's wrong with the con what's should we throw all of it out like the everything we have in the american church today is it all bad and i don't know if we want to get in the weeds of that today i I don't think that's necessarily what we're really wrestling with well because the church quote unquote is made up of people in in the New Testament, that that's what Jesus talks about. The church is not a building.
1: Yeah, it's not a program, and
0: it's not about you know how nice are your bulletins. Do you have digital or do you have paper and all this stuff today? So what it, what what's our discussion like? What should we get into? What is the wrestling match of this?
1: Yeah, that's so good. I uh, just if I could squeeze in a couple comments before I answer, I, I just. You know, I think it's easy to throw rocks at, Mm. but the conversation gets a lot more complicated when you really look at it. Like I look at the migration away from more traditional music and I look at it as, you know, someone who was younger as that stuff was phasing out it's the only place you go where you're still singing music from the early 1800s and 1900s. And then in culture, you don't sing anything that's like more than 10 years old, unless it's your parents listening to 80s rock. And you wonder, like, what is it about this place that we sing so much older music? Like, why don't we sing in our natural expressions of like the music that of our day? Mm. And it's like, and then you start to like find like some legalism, and you're like, wow, like people like are they're in fear. Like people are afraid of this. And so, like, current expressions of faith aren't even relative to the people living today. You know, you have to learn an ancient expression. And I think that there's always things you can point back to and say, well, we don't want that either, you know? Yeah. And I, I look at the question of, you know what? What do we really want in all of this? And I think that's really where we gotta go because we could spend forever kind of breaking this down with the tension. But what, I think what we really want is when you look at when you look at scripture. And you you see like this, like this mission, you know, from the beginning, like Jesus is literally, he, in Matthew four, you know, he calls his first disciples. The guys are, they're, they're wild. They're doing their thing. They're living, you know, very first disciples, it's James and John and they're fishermen. And Jesus is like, follow me, you mm-hmm. know, and, and they figure out Jesus on the way and they learn about God on the way but from the beginning there's action like we're gonna go be fishers of men we're gonna do something and so there's kind of this movement that I think we need to get back to Uh, there's this book you gave it to me Scott called hero maker yeah one of my favorite books told me to read hero maker and I waited a year and I just finished it a couple weeks ago and they um they rank churches levels one through five in terms of size income lights i'm just kidding they they rank them and what they rank is they have level one which is subtracting like that's a small that church is losing people declining yeah level two is plateauing like you know they've you know there's been 200 people there for a long time level three is adding and then there's level four, which is reproducing, like that church planted another church, added a satellite campus to reach a little further. And then there's multiplying, which is that church when when they multi- when they make something, it makes more of that. If they plant a church, that church plants church that church plants churches. If they disciple people, those people disciple people. If they launch a small group. A lot of people from that group become leaders and launch other small groups, and it just grows. And one of the key statements of that whole thing, if you read the book or go to a seminar, because it's kind of a national conversation at this point, one of the key statements is that churches levels one through three, subtracting, plateauing, adding, and churches four and five, reproducing and multiplying, they're not even really playing the same sport. Churches one through three... They're all trying to add and reach more people. They're all saying to the world, please come. And the level three church is actually just winning, but they're all playing the same game and levels four and five, it's completely different. You can be a level five church and you can actually be subtracting because you've got people going out the door, but they're doing things, they're multiplying, they're starting other churches. You just gave up 300 people to launch another campus. We see that all the time. And these churches never get huge because they just keep keep getting people in the door and they keep getting rid of them. And the ask is a lot like Jesus's, it's please go, which reminds us of the Great Commission
0: so you gave me an article we're gonna have this article in the show notes but what one statement they made in this article it's it's about church planting if you're sick and tired of church consumers try calling them this instead is the title of the article but in there they said this that we're we are all consumers but we have the potential to become contributors i like that word and this is what they end up saying, and this is all in quotes, it's a bit of a statement here, but it's, I think it's gonna launch us to this conversation about what Jesus said to his disciples, but this is what the article says. Don't believe for a second that there are only two options, catering to and keeping consumers happy, or ignoring consumers in a pious attempt to protect the frozen chosen. There's actually a <laughs> third way And i believe it's that this third way is the way of jesus and this is what he says the church's mission is to tell every consumer on the planet about jesus so that he can save and redeem them reconcile them to god and recondition all of us for the mission field he's in the business of turning consumers into contributors and that's really the basis of hero maker right becoming a, a hero maker of other people, right? So that they understand what the mission of Jesus is, but what was Jesus's mission to his disciples and where are we at today with that?
1: Yeah. I I would say it was go, go and make disciples. It was like, all right, I've discipled you. You followed me. You've seen this thing. Um hope you took notes because you got to go, you got to go do, you know? and. You know, we we use the language at Grace here, there, and everywhere Yeah, when Jesus said Jerusalem, Judea, and the ends of the earth, you know. And really what we're saying is, and it's going to be different, you know, not everyone's going to be equally focused on local and international missions and the in-between, you know. And I've got Columbus in there, but it's to some point it's like as a body— We are we are this movement that's just spreading and trying to reach people and trying to just imitate Jesus and be these little pictures of Jesus all over society. And it's so different than like I I, one of my least favorite words in church world is safe place. Like we just want to be a safe place like, all right, we want to be that like, you know, just like you go home and take a nap like, you know, it's great that you can find spiritual rest here. But at the end of the day, we want to kind of be like military barracks, you know. Like we are preparing you, we are training you, we are developing you. Um, Tom, you had something that you kind of put in the show notes, just about just about advertising and being exposed to consumerism.
2: Well, we are uh, all of us are discipled by our culture long before we ever go to church. We mm. are constantly bombarded. That's think, interesting. It's, it's Good language. Well, I think Sky Jathani said. I don't know where he got this statistic, but in Divine Commodities says the average American is exposed to 3,500 marketing messages every day. And he includes billboards, TV commercials, pop-up ads on the internet, and so we are schooled to think it's all about me, my preferences, customer's king, you know, I deserve a break today, all that kind of stuff. That, that's this idea of consumerism. And it's just the hand we've been dealt. It's the reality of our culture. But I think, you know, like you, you mentioned earlier, Scott, there, there's something, you look at Jesus and how he dealt with people in the Gospels he was sensitive to their felt needs he he you know the woman at the well versus nicodemus versus Zacchaeus versus the rich young ruler he kind of met people where they were and yes he was he always had that end goal in mind that hey i want to make you a multiplied disciple maker that will plant seeds that will burst up in all these new orchards of fruit Mm -hmm. and all that but he met them where they were and I think that's a good takeaway, a good aspect of the whole seeker-sensitive movement. That you know, and, and Paul appeals to that, like in First Corinthians 14, where he's talking about speaking in tongues. He says y- you should have one eye on the unsaved people that are coming to check things out. And if y'all speak in tongues, they're they're going to think you're crazy. There, but if 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 they hear something, you know, that they can relate to, something that speaks to their hearts then they'll be convicted of their sin and all that. So there's some fine distinctions we have to make. We should expect to find new people broken, sinful, you know, their life is wrecked. Life is not working. And we need to meet them. where I think that's where the safe place comes in is we're not super judgmental and harsh to them right inside the door. But, yes, we, we want to cast that vision of how Jesus wants to turn your life inside out and transform you and wash this self-centeredness out of you and make you a you know, a very contagious disciple-making servant. And um, so we have to make some of those fine distinctions, I think.
0: I love that. Yeah. You know, one of the things that we see all throughout the Bible is that – from Adam and Eve, you know they were workers in the garden. And the question is, how can we become a worker in the garden versus just a person that walks up to that stand, the vegetable stand and consumes or buys the fruit and the vegetables? How can we actually be the worker in the garden so that the fruit can be sold? What what are some things that we actually have to change about ourselves? And what what, what are some things that we need to begin working on so that we can understand how to work in the garden or if you go all throughout the old and new testament it's the garden the tabernacle of the temple and now the church what are some things that we have to actually change
1: yeah i think it starts with like you have to conscientiously rebel against consumerism mm. like it's some people they just get saved and you know, they're like the woman at the well, they just go I'll tell, they just go tell everyone, but that's not most of us, yeah. you know, that's not, most of us are conditioned or discipled by the <clears throat> society and culture we live in, as Tom said, where we instantly jump into that, you know, I loved your language of just being at the vegetable sand. you know, we instantly jump into like, all right, I'm going to go to this place, it's going to serve me, it's going to put on a good show, make me feel good, put me right. in touch with God. But, like, we have to conscientiously rebel against that and say, this isn't bad that church is easy to go to, that they're doing a good job, that things look nice. Like, what's we're not going to throw stones at excellence, but I actually, I need to become the offering. Like, Jesus was the offering, you know, to the world. He, like, he was like, here, have me. And then he says, to, if you want to follow me in Luke nine twenty three says, and you have to take up your cross if you're going to follow me, like yeah. you need to like hold your life loosely. And essentially what he's saying is like, I became an offering for all mankind. You need to be an offering to the world by imitating me and living for not yourself.
0: So you're talking about self-awareness,
1: Definitely. right? Becoming
0: self-aware. Like you said, there's nothing wrong with excellence on a Sunday morning. That's actually really important because we're, we care about the gospel and we care I mean the Lord calls us to do things with excellence right so you know something on a Sunday morning that's excellent is actually really good the follow-up with that is very important as well right but what's more important is I think what's more important is is how do we approach that and the self-awareness piece is really important the other thing I I, I that, that has really stuck out to me is Adam and Eve, I think, had to learn how to do gardening, right? Yeah. I mean, they had to learn what it meant to work in the garden. And maybe they had tools. Maybe they had to create tools. I don't know.
1: Jesus said, like, you know, like, let's go be fishers of men. You have to learn. That's an art. That's an art. And once you're self-aware and you realize, like, that's my mission, then you have to start learning the art of doing that.
0: When When I was at OU, there was this... Preacher, a street preacher who would come and he he traveled around to all the local universities. So he'd hit Miami University. He went to Ohio State, you know, OU. I think his name was Brother Jed or Brother Jeb or something like that. And he would he would literally just tell people, "You're going to hell," you know. And when I I didn't know Jesus then, and I was so put off by that, you know, like like there's an art. To having conversations with people, right?
1: Yeah, for sure. Like, well, and there's an art to like reflecting the true Jesus. You mm. know, I always say, like, even when I'm preaching, a lot of times my prayer is like, I want to accurately represent the heart of Jesus with what I say. Yeah. I don't just want to communicate proper theology or information but like, I want people to get not such, they're not going to be perfect. I understand, but not such distorted glimpses, you know, and you look at Jesus who like, you know, looks at a Zacchaeus in the crowd or a Matthew and is like, all right, I'm coming to your house. You know, like there's this, there's this truth, but there's also this grace. And then you see a guy come in with zero grace and it's like, well, that's not that's not a good picture. You know, you might have got an a plus on your gospel presentation informationally, right? But that's not going to work.
2: Yeah, I th- I think so much of this is learned through Im- imitation, and you know, I think First Thessalonians one, Paul is talking about having been there, one people to Christ, planted this church in Thessalonica. And looking back, he describes our conversion and he said, You became imitators of us mm. and of the Lord. That's good. And, and Paul repeatedly said, Imitate me as I imitate Christ. And we, we've, you know, that's foreign to our culture because we are an information based culture and there's never been more information on the internet about everything. But in, you know, in the first century world, you know, rabbis reproduced their lifestyle. They they gathered disciples who would imitate their lifestyle. Yeah, they would learn their message too, and but but the lifestyle is just as important. The truth was embodied in people who who had mastered that and kind of internalized that in their own behavior. So, you know, I, I, I forget where I read this years ago, but Jesus' model in the gospels was come, follow, go. And all three of those are essential. People are going to mm-hmm. come in, you know, from just with all kinds of rough edges, and they're ignorant of, of the Bible, mm-hmm. and they have all kinds of addictions and all that. That's where we need to be a, a safe place w- yep. when they're brand new. Yeah, that's but good. then we need to be a very scary, challenging place <laughs> as they grow. They yeah. need to be. Cha- but they'll they'll. There's something contagious about people walking closely with Jesus who reflect who he is. And that's how people grow and are transformed by being around those people and learning from those people and imitating those people.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of my journey, you know, I grew up in church and, you know, I had bad models, but I had a lot of good models of what it looks like to follow God and I knew at a young age I would like I was scared that I was going to be called to be a pastor. Isn't that funny? Hmm. Like I I drew pictures when I was a little kid, but then I got a little older and I was like, "Oh no, I want to stay away from that." <laughs> you know, and I and because I saw the sacrifice is is what it was at the end of the day, and there's something about with um you know, the parable of the rich young ruler when Jesus says like, "Man, it's harder for a, you know, a camel to go through the eye of a needle." Like there's this sense of like that is difficult and in our culture and in our society it is really difficult to do christianity right to look at the actual thing he asked us like take are your talking cross about being a pastor
0: is that what you're talking about being a i mean so the rest of us don't have to worry about that so we can sit back and just like you know Oh yeah yeah
1: I forgot yeah I forgot we're right? talking to non-pastors <laughs> in this podcast no it's it's really the same ask you know that's actually a funny thing is like you, you become a pastor and there's people in the church who like, they see you as a partner and then there's other people in the church that are like, you serve me. And there's times for that. There really is. But there's an aspect of like, I look at it, I, I look around the church, I look at my volunteer team and I'm like teammates you yeah. know, teammates. And I really think that's how it's supposed to be when the Bible talks about the priesthood of all believers. It's like this sacrifice, I, I do think it's a little more sometimes if you go into ministry or, you know, the Bible says those who teach, or if you, you know, if you obviously if you move to Africa, like that's a really big sacrifice to be yeah. a missionary, but there's a heavy level of sacrifice for anyone who wants to follow Christ. And that's a really hard thing to do it's not easy so our focal point
0: on pressing on is really how do we become a better version of ourselves today than we were yesterday so what are we encouraging each other to do here i mean you know the church as mission we know that the church is made up of the people it's not the building and we're talking about becoming hero makers but how do we actually live this out like first of all where do we begin Uh, We know the harvest is plentiful, the workers are few. So you're not talking about full-time ministry, Mm -hmm. right? We're just talking about every day, all of us, every day, how do we do this? How How do we actually live this out? What are some things, what are practical steps we can take to get to that level four, level five mentality that you described earlier? What, what is it that we do tom what, what yeah. are some things that you would um encourage us to do as, well, I, as people
2: i like what geordie said earlier about keeping this big picture we have to always keep this big picture in mind that we are being caught up into this parallel reality of the kingdom of god and and that is constantly growing and expanding and god is at work in the world and we step into that so i think you know There's obviously at the beginning stages of this, you want to lean into community. You want to get into the Word of God. You want to begin to cultivate a a biblical outlook on all the different issues in our culture. But we want to be, I think Jesus works in us so that we're tilted more and more outward to focus on others and we begin to recognize hey all these people at work or in my neighborhood or even my family they don't know Jesus yet so Lord help me to be sensitive to them try to get in spiritual conversations with them and so God wants to to kind of turn us inside out and then we just want to grow to the point where other people are attracted because of our lifestyle so we learn how to share our faith we learn how to share our testimony and then Eventually, we learn how to maybe lead a Bible study or lead a small group or uh, lead a discipleship group to other people. And that's a gradual process. But it becomes more and more, it becomes the community for me. It's all about catering to me. It, and that turns into me for the community lord how, how do you want to use me yeah. to reach and disciple and and build up other people and help build the kingdom of god and that, that that's really a lifetime journey it is but yeah. but that's what the big picture we want to lean
1: into that's me good. for the community i like that I
0: you know i love galatians 5 you know we we always talk about galatians 5 as the fruit of the spirit but how do we have that through the Spirit? Paul says multiple times in this, in this section, in verses 16 through 26, the end of that chapter, he says, live by the Spirit, walk by the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit. So there's something really important about being connected to the Holy Spirit and not trying to do it on our own. Right, not relying on our own power, our own knowledge, or just it's not just this cognitive side, it's this relationship, not only with the Holy Spirit, but also with others, right? That's discipleship. You being discipled is you're also discipling others. Like, there's a lot to all of this in order to be the worker in the field and not just the one purchasing the vegetables. Yeah.
2: Yeah, another good way to put it that I like, you know, we come to faith in Christ and we think, okay, I'm going to do something heroic here. I'm going to give Jesus a couple of lines in the play that's my life. And you begin to grow, and you realize, no, God is writing the story of your life, yeah. and it, it's all His. And you know, you thank God that He has chosen you to bring you into His kingdom and make you a part of this beautiful story that He's writing. But He's the one writing the story, yeah. And so He's writing you into His story, and it's just a paradigm shift in how we view our life and what what our life is all about.
0: That's really good. So. You know, Jesus, is as you said, Tom, earlier, I love that you brought this in, that there's three things Jesus calls us to do. Come, follow, and go. And as we do that, Jesus turns us inside out. He um, is, is essentially working on the inside of the cup, the the, the dirty, filthy, junky part that needs cleaned up. It, he doesn't care about the outside of the cup, how, how good you look on the outside. Uh, and this is really a journey of being less self-centered as a consumer, and more self-sacrificial as a worker in the field. Amen. Mm-hmm. So it's the transformation of our minds, right, Tom? It, it, yeah.
2: Paradig- I, paradigm shift. That
0: paradigm shift that you've talked about so often—becoming the stewards of what God has entrusted us to do—as it talks about in First Peter four eleven. You know, becoming okay. I'm going to use this phrase. Uh-oh. I don't want to make a light of this person's name, right? But the Dorcas that that we always use that term my family as a very negative name but dorcas she was an amazing woman very self-sacrificing and we need to become the dorcas right
2: absolutely and you know i think it's helpful to clarify you know we we've been Bad mouth and, you know, consumerism, it's all about me, blah, 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 blah. No, no, God wants to take us on this journey where we become more and more outward focused and we're investing in others and investing in his kingdom. But the great thing about being a Christian is there's there's a mutual giving and receiving all the way through. We're going to be blessed by their people. You know, we need community. We need fellowship. So there's this mutual one another in giving and receiving. But as we grow, I think God wants to use us more and more and tilt us toward how can i reach other people how can i build up how can i disciple how can i multiply as opposed to addition i love that
0: yeah and and really you know just to expand a little bit more on dorcas what did she do uh, it was really about the the amazing work that she did. She loved people really well, especially those who were less than. She lived out her faith in a really powerful way, and you read that in Acts chapter nine. Feel free to to dive into that. Uh, but she's a great example of what it means what it means to meet the needs of the people around her and not be a consumer. Right, mm-hmm. Dorcas was an amazing example of that. And may we be more like her. May we have that example, not only in our lives, but may we be that example to may other people. May we be Dorcas. Yep. May we be like Dorcas. Yeah. Amen. All right, guys. Hey, this is uh, the end of November. It's Thanksgiving, the day after Thanksgiving. May you guys have a great celebration with your family this weekend. But also, as we look forward to what's coming, it's the end of the year. It's December, and it's Christmas, and it's celebrating the birth of jesus and uh next month we're excited to have another new guest we'll introduce that person with our bumper in two weeks well, may you guys have a families. great weekend with your families thank you <laughs>